Hello, and welcome back to the All Things Dad podcast. The All Things Dad podcast is dedicated to creating stronger men who lead stronger families to contribute to a stronger world. I'm your host, Brian Krupp, and today we're talking about the three guiding principles of disciplining our kids. Now, before we get into it, just a quick plug that if you're enjoying the content, I'd love for you to do three things. First, follow or subscribe to the podcast. Second, leave a rating. And third, share the podcast with anyone who you think may enjoy it. Now let's get into the content. Parents are faced with many decisions in raising their offspring, from which diapers to use, what monitor to buy, to buy the minivan or not to buy the minivan, what sports or activities to enroll their kids in, the list goes on and on. But it's almost a guarantee that at some point or another, all parents who have ever existed have had to deal with how to best discipline their kids. Now, kids are cute and we love them and all that, but sometimes, as we all know, they can push our buttons. They like to push the boundaries to know how far is too far. They experiment with new abilities and new ideas. And this is a normal course for anybody. We can all remember times we were young when we did stupid things that seemed fun or innocent enough in the moment. So as a dad, I want to give you three guiding principles in how to best discipline our kids. Because no one situation or child is going to be the same. So to give you a hard and fast list of rules just wouldn't suffice. Because not only does the research change, but our kids have different needs and are different developmental milestones. So I'm sorry to say, but in most situations, the answer is plainly, it depends. However, I have found three guiding principles that have given me and my wife a start in knowing how to raise our kids and how to discipline. But before we get to that, I want to first say that before we get to discipline, we need to be mindful of using positive reinforcement as much as possible. And this won't solve everything, but using motivation that can help your child see the rewards of positive behavior can be really compelling, even more so than the consequences of negative behavior. Next, I want to talk quickly about the purpose of discipline. There is a word of wisdom from the Bible from Proverbs 13.24 that says, Those who spare the rod hate their children, but those who love them are diligent to discipline them. Hate sounds like a strong word, but it is. Imagine if you were hiking in a forest and you've become lost. You start going this way, and then you find yourself going that way, and then eventually you find yourself going in circles. Now imagine if you're doing that, and then you realize your father is right behind you, watching and knowing the right way, but not helping you figure out how to tell which way is north. I'd say you'd be pretty frustrated with him. And that's an example of what discipline is. It's teaching so that we don't find ourselves going in circles and circles. So plain and simple, disciplining is not just about being, it's not a power struggle. Disciplining is teaching. And when we get this right, the whole paradigm changes. It becomes less about how do I regain control over my kid and more about how am I setting them up to be independent and to be a thriving adult? How am I teaching them effective coping habits when they're in the heated argument? How am I teaching them valuable life lessons that will help them deal with hard things down the road? How am I helping them actually realize their actions have consequences and to think before they act? How can I tell right from wrong and develop a strong moral compass through my parents? 
My wife and I have used this as our anchor for these past eight years and has helped tremendously with knowing what our kids actually need from us, what kind of behavior is acceptable or not, and when there should be consequences and to what magnitude. So now we've established the purpose. Let's go to principle number one. The first principle is to be clear. Most of the time that our kids misbehave is because we, as the dad, weren't clear to begin with what kind of behavior was acceptable, either through our words or as a role model. Imagine if you're at work, though, working diligently on a report that your boss flippantly asks you to create. And then finally, when you send it to the team, your boss tells you that you did it all wrong, but didn't take the time to tell you the expectations before you started. That would be pretty frustrating. And that's what happens with our kids sometimes. We have to be clear with what we can say yes to as well, not just what we need to say no to. This is something that my wife and I have been learning a lot about recently. Yes, there are some things our kids need to learn not to do, but there are so many things that need to, be, to have the autonomy and the freedom to explore and to experience the natural consequences for, both on a negative and positive level. My wife and I have also learned that we need to be specific with what behaviors are okay and what behaviors aren't and to be quick to point them out in the moment so our kids have immediate feedback. For instance, if our kids are being super loud during dinner, we'll get everyone's attention and say, let's practice letting one person talk at a time and using a quieter voice like this. So we're explaining it and we're role modeling it, what kind of voice is acceptable at a place like the dinner table. Or on a positive note, if one of our sons just gave his brother a Pokemon card, we'll quickly point it out and say, wow, That was so generous of you when you gave your brother that Pokemon card. It's that area of being specific that helps them know what's expected. Another thing that happens is that we may say one thing, but then we do another, which just undermines our credibility. So if we give, so if we say everyone needs to be quiet, but then I start raising my voice, then I've just contradicted myself and I've set a bad example. So that becomes unclear to the kids about what's acceptable. And this becomes a problem when we go to give consequences or a punishment. If we haven't stated the facts ahead of time, then it becomes very difficult for our kids to have a fighting chance of staying within the vague lines that we've drawn. It's like trying to play a soccer game with imaginary lines that represent what's out of bounds, and then the ref suddenly blows the whistle on you. That would be a pretty hard game to play. All right, let's go to principle number two, which is to be consistent. So if we're clear on what's expected, it's now important that we are consistent. It's important that we're both consistent in frequency, in consequence, and across parents. With frequency, I mean that if I said no TV before breakfast on Monday, I better be consistent with that on Tuesday and all the other days after that. And if I catch myself becoming inconsistent, I better have a clear rationale lined up beforehand to explain it. If we are consistent in consequence, this means that the punishment fits the crime. If I give one of my kids a five-minute timeout one day for throwing mud at the house, but then a spanking for forgetting to put the shoes away, then my level of standard isn't very consistent. And consistency across parents is exactly how it sounds, that parents are aligned in their standards and their follow-through. It can be quite confusing quite fast when one of our parents tells us one thing and then the other one turns a blind eye. So which way is right? Our kids need clear and consistent consequences to know right from wrong so they can make sense of the world as they get older. And I'll close this section with two words of wisdom from the Bible that I think are are really appropriate. 
Proverbs 22.6 says to train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And then Ephesians 6.4 says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So we must be clear, and we must not provoke our kids to be angry with us for undue reason. Sometimes they will be angry with us, and that's okay. But to the extent that we can mitigate that through clarity and consistency, we would be wise to do that and to establish healthy relationships with our kids that create feelings of respect in them for us. Principle number three is to be connected. So we've been clear, we've been consistent, now we have to be connected. On a similar vein of thought, we have to be connected with our kids before, during, and after discipline. If we aren't spending quality time with our kids, if we don't know their personality, if we don't have that depth of relationship and built up their emotional bank account, then any sort of discipline is going to be ill-received. In addition, some kids need different forms of discipline to learn a lesson. I know that with one of my sons, all I have to do is look him in the eye and firmly describe how what he did was wrong, and I know he won't do it again. But I wouldn't know this, and he wouldn't respect me if we didn't have a connected relationship if I didn't deliver the message in a way that showed him that I care. Now, one of the last things I'm going to leave you with is that after we discipline our kids, we need to find a way to reconnect with them. We need to make sure our kids feel that our love for them never changes and they are still always safe. This may mean giving your two-year-old an extra hug or spending some time reading a book with your four-year-old. Just find a way to show your children that while you still have boundaries that they should respect, and they can learn from, that you care deeply about them and still want to spend time with them. So there are many more lessons that we could talk about, but I'll leave you with these three principles. Be clear, be consistent, and be connected. Thank you all so much for listening to the All Things Dad podcast, and we'll see you next time.